0: All right, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, come hang out with us one Sunday morning at 1030. If you're not local but looking for a good church you can watch online, we live stream our service at calvary316.live. We're going to make kind of the intros here very quick because we're going to get to the substance of the episode as fast as we can. Creighton, welcome to the show. Hello. Are you ready for this? I am not. You're not. Well, you better be. Buckle up. Also, we'll get Spice Daddy. Spice Daddy's here. Uh, Welcome to the show, my friend. Uh, Creighton, very quickly, very quickly, Creighton, run through how the show works. Let's get those pleasantries out of the way. And then we're going to introduce
1: a very special guest. Um, So generally speaking, we normally have a topic that I bring up and then we talk about Uh, That's not what's gonna happen today But what does normally happen is that we are on uh, live streaming to both facebook and youtube So if you're watching live and you have a question or comment or concern You can put those in the comments on facebook and youtube and I am monitoring them and I can bring them up at a pithy time Um, to start off with we do have hellos from both michelle and Yes, Justin's second favorite Karen. Second favorite Karen. So they both say hello. Still um make
2: her a t-shirt. That's right. Yes.
1: Michelle also says that she is excited to see our special guest. Yeah, so let's, let's go ahead and get to that. So Outlaw
0: Radio has been around since, I want to say, 2016, 2017, somewhere in there. Probably. Been a few years. And um, there's been one guest I've always wanted uh, to invite on the show, but- to be honest, I've been a little intimidated uh, to do so, uh, but we're ripping the Band-Aid off. And uh, I'd like to welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show my dad, uh, Pastor Sandy Adams. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show.
3: It's great to be here, Zach.
0: Are you ready for this?
3: I'm as ready as I'll ever be. As you'll ever
0: be. So I want to set this up because to have my dad on the Outlaw Radio Show um, is an honor. It's a privilege. and um, But I want to try to do something that's a little different and a little unique. Um, obviously, I know your story. I know how you came to know the Lord. I know your background. Like, I, I know you're my dad, so I know the story. But I was thinking about it. Jessica and I were talking about it. And it's like, you know, I think you, you've you shared over the years, over the many years. You've been in ministry for over 40 years now, right? 43. 43 years. Um, and
3: Well, since we started our church, 40, 43 years. Yeah.
0: Forty-three years ago. So you started Calvary Chapel forty-three years ago, and over those forty-three years, I'm sure that there have been moments where you have shared parts of your story. I know that there have been. I can think of a couple different uh, sermons that you've given at pastors' conferences um, where you have shared parts of your testimony. But just thinking about it, I don't know if 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 I can recall ever sitting down and actually hearing you tell your story, like from the beginning to the end. Um, not something that you would do on a Sunday morning cause you teach through the Bible. Um, so I thought that would be fun. Like how many people know the full story of just how you came to know the Lord to how you decided to start a church, um, and all those points in between. So, uh, you all right to kind of share your testimony?
3: Well, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of daunting though, to, to, you know, sum up your life and, uh, in a few few minutes,
2: but uh, but what's going on?
0: Oh, we were just turning you up. Oh, okay, no, great. Yeah, great. we're just turning you up. Okay.
2: Okay. Don't get nervous. He's, you know, there's only a couple hundred people. I don't so. know whether
3: I don't know whether they're going to hit the eject button. <laughs> no, isn't any, any moment.
2: It's so all
0: good. Be it's all careful. good. So we very careful. This is unscripted. We have all the time in the world. There's no time restrictions here. Um, well, you
3: know, I love to share my story, and I love to uh, share. The, the wonderful work that God's done in my life because he, he, uh, he's been so good to me.
0: Well, let me start kind of from the beginning. I'll walk you through it, if that's all right. Okay. Um, so you are a native to Georgia. I am. So born and raised where?
3: Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, born in born, uh, uh, 65 this year. So I was born in 1958. Born at Georgia Baptist Hospital and uh, lived and grew up in East Atlanta, and then uh, my dad moved out in our, my eighth grade year, he moved out to Gwinnett County, and so I uh, started going to school in, in uh, Snellville and have grown up in this same area. It's kind of exciting. I, I went to South Gwinnett High School, and I had four kids, and they all went to South Gwinnett High School, so we've, uh, I've come a long way, but really gone nowhere. <laughs> when I Creighton,
0: you might not know this, but when I uh, tried out for the baseball team at South Gwinnett High School, John Sawyer was the head coach. Same head coach that my dad had. He called me Sandy the whole time.
1: <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah.
0: So, uh, so I mean, as as southern as you can get.
3: Yeah, uh, probably so.
0: Native to Gwinnett County. Um, what kind of a church background? Tell me a little bit about your your mom, your dad. Big O and Carol, sure, and just your religious upbringing in the South.
3: Well, you know, I I I had a godly dad and a godly mom, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, We were brought up in church, and more so than just brought up in church, my mom and dad lived out their faith. They were they were genuine Christians. My mom was the Bible scholar; she uh, she knew the scriptures and. Was determined to uh, see us know the scriptures, and uh, was the Bible teacher of the family. And then my dad was the the practical application of the scripture. He was the the doer, and uh, I learned so many wonderful lessons from my dad. Uh, but grew up in a in a Baptist home. We were we were at times we were Southern Baptist, and when my dad got mad at Southern Baptist and thought they were too liberal, then we went to the independent Baptist. We were the hard shell, hellfire, and damnation, uh, you know, uh, independent Baptist. We went to one Baptist church where uh, the offering on the first and third Sundays went to the pastor, and the offering on the second and fourth Sunday went to the church for the the, that's uh, an, interesting uh, way of doing it. an interesting way of doing it.
0: I'm not sure I like <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm not sure that that's going to be adopted. I'm sure
3: you preach your best messages on the first and third Sunday. But, <laughs> but it was just, uh, you know, it's a really, really different uh, kind of church environments that we were in. And uh, my dad would go back and forth. Uh, but but primarily, it was one church that we that we kind of stuck with for a while, um, Glenwood Baptist Church. And I grew up in, in that church. And uh, have a lot of fond memories there.
0: You tell a, a really fun story of of Big O's favorite Bible verse. Oh my! Uh, can you share that real quick?
3: Yeah, yeah. He uh, well, my, my mom always sang in the choir. And she uh, choir practice was Wednesday night after the Wednesday night service, and so on Wednesday night she would always uh, she would be late getting home. And it was my dad's duty to read us a chapter of the Bible.
0: And us is, is you and, and Me and Ken. my brother. Me and yeah. my
3: brother, yeah. And my brother, Ken. And so every night, Mom would read us a chapter of the Bible, except for on Wednesday nights. It was Dad's, it was dad's responsibility to read us a chapter of the Bible. And every Wednesday night, he'd get us in our beds, and he'd walk in the room, He'd ha- have his Bible in his hand, and he'd say, All right, boys, Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise Him, all you people. For His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise ye the Lord. Good night, boys. <laughs> Every Wednesday night, same chapter. And uh, years went by, and and uh, I said, Dad, I said, you know, I was complaining one day. I said, you know, you just rotely just shoved that chapter down our throats. You, you had it memorized. You, you Preached it to us. We memorized it. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise Him, all you peoples. For merciful kindness, great toward us. Truth, the Lord endures forever. Praise You, the Lord. Good night, boys. I said I was thirty years old before I knew "Good night, boys" wasn't part of the text. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he he looks at, he looks at me. I said you you did that, and Mom was the one who taught us the Bible. He looks at me and he says, "How many of those chapters your mother read you have you memorized?" <laughs>
0: it's true. <laughs> That's very true. So, so, so you grew was, up you grew up yeah. as Southern Baptist as you could get,
3: probably so, yeah
0: um would you have said that you were a born again Christian
3: Well, I thought I was, I really thought I was, but um no i don't I don't think I would have been I don't think I'd have gone to heaven had I died
0: so maybe walk us through how how you go from there to that realization, yeah and how you really gave your life to Jesus?
3: You know, I started realizing that, uh, that, um, that just calling Jesus your Savior, I always, I always knew that He was a Savior. And I always wanted salvation. Nobody wants to right. go to hell. Right, And you want Jesus' influence in your life. He means, and
0: you're getting him. that every Sunday morning, oh, regardless. Oh, sure, sure, yeah.
3: Sure you're. And, um, but I started getting challenged with, uh, with the reality that Jesus is not just Savior. He's also our Lord. And if, if, we want, if we want that salvation, we need to bow our knee. We need to be willing to surrender. You know, he doesn't save who He's not willing to, who's not willing to let him rule. He doesn't save mm-hmm. who he can't rule. And so uh, through, through a number of circumstances, I started realizing what really matters in this, in this life.
0: About how old were you when you were wrestling with these things?
3: I was uh, I was in college. I had I had left high school. I had gone to college. I went for a year to uh, Middle Georgia College down in Cochran, Georgia, and I got down there on my own and I started trying to sort out life and what, what life was really all about and what uh, what thing what really mattered in life and uh, I uh, had some relationships that that went south and. Uh, soured, and it was all because of me, and my pride surfaced, and the ugliness in my life began to surface, and uh, not being at home, uh, you know, I wasn't, didn't have the restraints of a godly mom and dad, and and, uh, a lot of uh, ugliness in my life began to surface, and I started realizing that uh, that what I had professed, I might not really possess. So so when was
0: the big turning point? At, the, at that, so you're wrestling with these things. A lot
3: of, lot of wrestling going on, a lot of um, trying to be honest with yourself, you know, trying to, trying to be, deal with reality, the reality as you saw it. And uh, uh, it was in uh, the, the spring of 1978, and I had uh, uh, was on my way home from, from work one night. I was driving down Five Forks, Trickham Road,
0: Right over near the park, right? Right
3: over near the park, yeah. And at the time, there was a gravel parking lot there and a concrete picnic table. That's all there was. I pulled into that gravel parking lot, and I got down on my knees, and I said, Lord, I've made a mess of my life. Uh, Please take my life, and I'm giving it to you, and I want you to take it and make it what you want it to be. That's the first time I had really surrendered, surrendered. Hmm my life to Jesus. You know, I, I, had, uh, I had taught Bible studies. I'd preached in church. I'd proclaimed to be a Christian, but I had never surrendered anything to Jesus. It was all about what he could do for me. But that night, it was all about my life in his hands and hmm. what he wanted to do in my life. And and you know what, son? I, I uh, got on my knees I prayed a simple prayer, and something changed inside of me. And I have never been the same since. And it wasn't uh, flashing lights or anything like that. Was it an altar
0: call? It wasn't was an it? altar
3: call. I was, I was kneeling in a, conc- at a, in a concrete, in a parking lot at a concrete picnic table. But I got up from that picnic table a different person. And, uh, and my life's never been the same. And, and I started eagerly following Jesus at that point. Um, you know, and I started to learn... That Jesus is all that really matters. I I, I trace those early days in my Christian life in kind of three ways. That Jesus was all that really matters, and that that was really hammered home to me. Nothing else really mattered other than his plan and his purpose and his will for my life. And when I I truly embraced that truth, then I began to realize that Jesus was all I really needed. I thought I needed a lot of other things. Right. I started realizing that he could meet my needs. That he could fill my emptiness. That he could be my portion and my satisfaction. And I realized he was all I really needed. And then, lo and behold, I discovered he's all I really wanted. Hmm. And uh, and I, I really started pursuing him with all my heart. So you were how old at this point? Well, it was 1978. I was 20 years old. And... Uh, um...
0: So where were you going to church at that point, or did that change at that juncture? Well, you
3: know, I had, I had, uh, you know, I kind of, uh, I kind of felt like the church might have been part of the problem for me, uh, because I had, I had grown up as a hypocrite in church. I, I really felt like a hypocrite, and so uh, I just started going where I could get fed, and uh, I started going to Charles Stanley's church. Charles Stanley was a was a wonderful was preacher, a wonderful Bible teacher. Yes. And, and uh, I'd load up in the car and drive downtown on Sunday mornings and, and uh, attend Dr. Stanley's Church. So. That's where I met my wife.
0: That's right. Your better half, for sure. Absolutely. Um, explain a little bit of, of well, why don't we actually go there? How, how did you meet Cassie Adams?
3: Picked her out of the choir. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. She was, uh, she was in the college choir.
0: And she fell head over heels for you immediately.
3: The, absolutely. She yeah. just didn't know it.
0: She just didn't know it yet.
3: She was the uh, cutest gal in the choir, and, and I picked her out, and I said, that's the one, I, that's the one I'm going to get to know right there. And, uh, matter of fact, made my way that night after the, the college fellowship and kind of introduced myself, and, uh, but it took a little
0: while. Just for the other half of the back story, my mom had gone from <laughs> Florida, graduated high school, had gone to Georgia Baptist to be a medical missionary. She wanted to be a nurse and wanted to go into the mission field. And at the time was going to first Baptist of Atlanta as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, initially wasn't all that impressed.
3: Wasn't b- at all by a young Sandy Adams took me two years, took me two years of just being her friend and, and, uh, us, us seeing each other occasionally. And, and she got uh, to know you, she got a little, got to know me a little bit. It was, it was really, really weird. Uh, I had decided that I was gonna make my play. You know, that I had I had kind of paved the way and I was gonna You were ready. I was, I was going for broke. I was gonna go <laughs> there for you broke. you go.
0: Glad you did, by the way. I
3: wrote a letter <laughs> I wrote her a letter, uh told her how I felt, told her I, I thought we I wanted to marry her, you know, we'd make a great team for Jesus and I wrote this whole letter up and folded it up, put it in my pocket. Went down to see her and for that for some reason that particular night she she didn't have time for me. She didn't, she didn't want to see me. And so I was discouraged, upset. Oh, man. Walked out Walked out of the, her, the dormitory where she would stay, took the letter, pulled it out of my pocket, threw it in a trash can. And I said, Lord, I'm putting this in your hands. I'm done. If you want me to marry this gal, you're going to have to do it. Went, got in my car, drove home. Didn't hear from her. Didn't see her. Didn't try to contact her for the next two or three months. And uh, right around Christmas time, um, she initiated some conversation. She she actually she friend, came back around. Some friends, you know, you need <laughs> to give Kathy a call. And I gave gave Kathy a call, and that's when we hit it off. And and uh, we were married by the next August.
0: So, so there were a lot of other things though going on. Sure. In addition to that, at the same time, so you'd given your life to the Lord, and you're going to Andy Stanley's church. You're looking for not going to Andy Stanley, not church. Andy Stanley, no heaven forbid, uh, Charles Stanley's church, <laughs> yeah, the other Stanley, um, the one with Jesus. <laughs> and, um, but, but your motivation for that was. A hunger for God's word. Absolutely. And so at that time, I mean, you are studying, you're doing everything, but then you kind of get, you end up being exposed to something on the right, radio.
3: Right after, right after I gave my life to Christ, I came out of the, um, and, I, and remember, I had a Baptist background. I, I was, uh, you know, I, I wanted all God had for me at that point. And so I was suddenly open to the Holy Spirit. I wanted the gifts of the Spirit. I wanted everything that that the Baptist church had told me I couldn't have. (laughs) Uh, I I wanted uh, everything God had for me at that point. And uh, I'll never forget coming out of my work when I was working in a warehouse, going to school at night at the time. And I came out of the warehouse one day and got my car and went to lunch. And I turned on the radio, and there was this guy, uh, Chuck Smith. Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And Pastor Chuck taught the Bible in a way that I had never heard taught before. Been to church my whole life, but had taught the Bible. Um, he taught the Bible. Right. He didn't teach from the Bible. He taught the Bible. He just taught the Bible. In that particular uh, time, he was uh, talking about gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he, they said, stay tuned tomorrow when Pastor Chuck talks about the gift of tongues. <laughs> well, having grown up in a Baptist church, you know, I I didn't know a pastor who'd get anywhere close to that, you know, I'd stay away from tongues with a 10 foot pole. And so, uh, so I was there the next day and so beautiful, the beautiful balance and the way he talked about it and the biblical way he addressed it and the balanced approach. And, and I was hooked. And so for the next two years, uh, I was in my car at 1230 every afternoon uh, to listen to Pastor Chuck and the Word for today.
0: It was your lunch break, wasn't it?
3: It was my lunch break. Yep, and um, uh, really began to develop uh, uh, a love for God's Word and a desire to a desire to share it. And at the same time, uh, my brother had uh, come to me, and he was in high school at the time. He was a senior in high school, and but. Uh, godly young man had a love for the Lord and a love for the kids at his school and he said Sandy would you would you teach a Bible study Um, I want to invite my friends to a Bible study but I I want you to teach it and so I said sure and so I started teaching this Bible study and it started growing and we started uh, we started sharing our faith uh, on the weekends and teaching this Bible study on Monday nights, and it was it was wonderful. It was a wonderful season. For a couple of years, I did that.
0: So when when was it? So you're listening to Pastor Chuck on the radio. Mm-hmm. You're hoping you can gain the attention of, a, of a Kathy Weldon. You're teaching this Bible study to a bunch of high school kids on Monday. God's doing a lot of different things.
3: Going to school and, and uh, working a job in the daytime, working the on, warehouse in the daytime. On
0: top of it all. Yep. At what point do you get the thought, Man, I should start a church. I mean, you know, we, we're, we go through all this. I mean, that becomes a bit of a leap where it's like, you know, I'm pastor material.
3: Oh, I, that was not the thought that went through my mind. Um, I, had, I had a circle of friends at the time. And as a matter of fact, I'm sitting here next to Justin. And his daddy was uh, a good friend of mine uh, during that period of my life. And uh, we would uh, get together for Bible studies uh, sometimes at my house, sometimes at, at uh, their house in, in Lawrenceville, and uh, we had a group of folks that were uh, disin- really discouraged with the, the local churches around and uh, really uh, praying and thinking about possibly planning a church and um, and I, I'll never forget uh, we went to we had a meeting where we were going to discuss possible plans, what we might do right. We had this meeting, and, and on the way home from the meeting, God spoke to my heart clear as a bell, and he said, Sandy, you know what you don't want in church, but you don't know what you do want. Interesting. You don't have a good model for what you do want. And so I immediately thought, well, this guy I've been listening to on the radio, Pastor Chuck, boy, I'd like, love to learn about his church. And I had heard they had a Bible college. The next morning I woke up, and I called the Calvary Chapel Bible College, and I asked if they had a vacancy. And just the the semester started like the next week. And the girl told me, you know, we just had two cancellations this morning. And if you want one of the spots, you can have it. Don't even worry about sending your money in. Just bring it with you when you come. Just get out here. Just, just get out here. And so... Uh, I dropped everything I was doing, uh, said goodbye to the woman that I loved, and got on an airplane. Furthest west I'd ever been was the Alabama-Georgia state line, <laughs> and flew all the way to Southern California. My, thought, my parents thought I was a nut. They thought I had flipped and joined a cult, and, <laughs> but I flew all the way to California, and I went to the Calvary Chapel Bible College for uh, several months. and. Got to meet Chuck's brother, Paul. Got to meet Pastor Chuck. Uh,
0: and the purpose of the Bible college was just to try to like fast-track, present.
3: That was exactly what it was. It was a cram course.
0: Just covering everything you could cover in three months. Cram
3: course in discipleship, yep. It was three months.
0: And that was up in Twin Peaks, I believe, it right? It
3: was in Twin Peaks, yeah. Mm-hmm. So after you... But, but let me say, yeah. there was a teacher there was a teacher there. His name was Mike Russ. Uh, you probably haven't heard, about, heard of him. He uh, uh, kind of moved on shortly thereafter. But he was a teacher who uh, had grown up in a Catholic church, gone to a Lutheran college, uh, got saved at Calvary Costa Mesa, went to Chuck Missler's Bible study, <laughs> and ended up going and graduating from Dallas Seminary.
0: So he's hit everything you could hit. He
3: had the most eclectic background and, and understanding of where I was coming from as a as a former Southern Baptist. He he kinda had that peg and he was able to help me work through all kinds of different issues that I was struggling with and I was trying to to, to reevaluate and, and you know I was going through a, a period of time there where I was thinking, you know, hey, hey, you know, I've been I've been uh, I've been taught certain things, but but have I been taught the, the truth I want to know the Bible I want to know right. the truth and i don't i don't want to know a person's interpretation of the Bible I want to know what the bible has to say and so uh and so i was I was really uh working through a lot of what i had my assumptions and a lot of things that I had presumed and and so i was I was starting to put things together um, in in what I believe was a biblical a biblical worldview so
0: so when you're done with the Bible college I mean what what happens next
3: well when I'm done with the Bible college I had a couple of opportunities to stay in Southern California and maybe get involved in uh, some outreaches going on out there and uh, could have gone up to Hollywood and gotten involved with the uh, 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 one of the one of the churches up there Kim Gullickson's church up there but they had an intern program and but I didn't I didn't I prayed about it. I could have gotten involved with Gail Irwin in uh Garden Grove and yeah. gone down there and uh, but I just was praying about it, you know, Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And and I just uh had a heart for the south. And I I'm thinking, you know, that's where I, I know the language yeah. I know the customs and boy don't, don't we need a Calvary chapel. And
0: that goes back to the meeting that you had, the original meeting Absolutely. where it was like there there is a void here. Something don't we yeah. need
3: this kind of church in the south. And so I came home with the intention of planning a Calvary chapel uh, in my now, hometown.
0: Now didn't you take a, a little detour to Oregon to marry my mom?
3: Well, no, she was living here, so we we did we did get married in Oregon. Okay, yeah, we yeah did right. Get married. Yeah, yeah. I came back and I I figured, hey, I'd, I'd really like to do this with somebody else, and so I proposed to your mom, and it was sort of like, you know, Kathy God's called me to plan a church. You want to do this with me? And, <laughs> and that was uh, that was kind of the proposal. She accepted. She said, yeah, that's what I want to do. She wanted to be a missionary nurse. Yes. uh, She became that anyway with with three boys and and a daughter. I convinced her that planning a Calvary Chapel in the Deep South uh, was a missionary endeavor. Yes. And so she signed up for it.
0: So about how old are you and mom when you decide to start Calvary Chapel? This is September 1980. Exactly. How old are you I'm 22.
3: She's 21.
0: And you're starting a church.
3: Starting a church. started, Started in the living room of... Duplex that we were renting. We we had been married. We got married uh August twenty third. Make sure that yeah, I got that right. <laughs> Hit, this got, is live. <laughs> I know. I got married August twenty third. We started the church last Sunday in September. So not. We'd been married all of six weeks. You were still year.
0: on the honeymoon.
3: Yeah, yeah. And so,
0: um, uh, walk us through the early years of, of starting it starting this Calvary Chapel in the South. I mean. Wow. There was nobody, nobody else doing that really, very few.
3: Well, we, we, uh, you know, we had some friends from, the, from a few years earlier that had, that had come to our Bible study, and so that was our first uh, first group where we reached out. And I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, we'll start with 20, 30 people, I guess. And uh, our first meeting, we had me and Kathy and five single adults. That was our first meeting. And uh, I started in the Gospel of Luke. Luke did you start on was,
0: a on a Sunday, or did you Sunday pick Sunday morning? You started, started, on, started a on a Sunday morning. Sunday
3: morning. I, I felt like, hey, I don't want to mislead people. We're we're here to plant a church, so let's just start on Sunday, and let's just uh, and let's just start working our way through the Bible.
0: So, where did you go after the duplex? Because well, we
3: got we started getting. a I won't say it wasn't a crowd, but <laughs> we, we had a few people come and start coming, and uh, so we ended up uh, finding a storefront in uh, downtown Stone Mountain.
0: Now, you're working full-time. Oh, yeah. Mom's working full-time. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and you're doing this
3: yeah.
0: as a calling. Mm-hmm.
3: And we go downtown. I would go downtown. We went downtown Stone Mountain. We had, there was an old dance studio. We remodeled this dance studio.
0: The upper room.
3: The upper room. It was an, an upper room. Well, yeah. it was an upper room. We figured it would seat about 120 people. We felt like, wow, that's the book of Acts. That's Acts chapter 2 right there. <laughs> right. So you can't go wrong with that. An upper room with 100 seats, seats 120. And so we moved in, and uh, some wild stories, some great stories. Uh, people started coming, amazingly. We didn't do any advertising. It was all just... Word of mouth and
0: You didn't have a worship yeah. leader for a while.
3: Oh no. It was it was it was horrendous. I mean we, we had a different well, we had a different worship leader every week it seemed like for a long time, you know. And um,
0: at Some point I you use you had a quarter, right? We
3: actually at one time we had a we had a, a girl who played the harpsichord. <laughs> <laughs> it was she she come the harpsichord, bling, bling, bling. We tried to sing praise songs to this harpsichord. It was it was horrendous. It was terrible, <laughs> and so but we're, we're just we're just groping. I mean we're just we're just I'm 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 studying the Bible. Yeah, it's about teaching the Bible, and I'm thinking, you know, God's going to provide a worship leader. I don't have to worry about it, and, and I didn't, and nobody came, and, and uh, <laughs> we had one one of our early worship leaders went off and joined a cult, and that was a whole nother another crazy story, but. Uh,
0: at some point, the Lord brought you a guy, though. Well,
3: well, here's what happened. Um, finally, you know, it was a big source of frustration, and finally um, I decided uh, I'm going to bring in my record player. This was back <laughs> in, the, in the days of phonographs, you know. And so uh, the Maranatha Music had done an a instrumental album, and and so I thought we could play this instrumental album and we can sing along with You're it. You're going to
0: lead sing. Well, right.
3: I've, I'm hoping people don't know the song. So <laughs> so anyway, uh, this is horrible. This is terrible. Terrible idea. You know. So so that week I'm struggling with the whole thing and I and I and I started praying. I said, Lord, this is your church, and uh, you have not provided me a worship leader. So so I decided I'm going to blackmail God. <laughs> I said, God, until you bring me somebody, I'm gonna lead worship at this church. I and you know, exactly Yeah, Zach.
0: Can't carry a tune. It's 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 borderline joyful noise.
3: It's
2: really borderline. So That's a genetic trait, isn't it? It's well yeah, no doubt. No, but
0: it's it's uh when I'm you're when you Coyote
2: you're, in a trash compactor. Kind of. <laughs> exactly. If you're,
0: if you're standing if you're standing next to my dad. So the last time this was was at the pastor's conference. I'm standing next to him. And I I give him, I mean, he sings with all of his heart and all of his voice. I mean, there's no, there's no uh, inhibitions at all. I mean, it's hands raised, glory to the Lord. And it is so difficult to sing next to
3: him. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm blackmailing God. God, I'm going to lead worship until you bring me somebody. And it was the first week First week, um, we finished up. I finished up the Bible study, and this guy comes up to me, and he says, uh, Pastor Sandy, he says, uh, I don't know anything about worship, but I can play the guitar, and I know I can do better than what I heard this morning. And I said, if you'll get me a couple of songs and get me some chords, I'll try to learn some songs for next week, and, I, and I'll try to take this thing off your hands. And that was, uh, that was James Chapman and James and Donna that they weren't even married at the time, but they, that's when they started coming to our church. James was a deacon at Clarkston Baptist. (laughs) It was Uh, the scandal
0: that they were going over to Calvary
3: Chapel to to hear the Bible study because he had also found pastor Chuck on the radio. Gotcha. And he heard there was a Calvary Chapel in, in going on in stone mountain and thought, wow, you know, I want to get in on that. So he was coming over and so James began to lead our worship that morning and uh did so for the next 12 years or so and just He's been it. with you since. He's, he's been with me yeah. for for 42 of the 43 years we've been going.
0: So I uh, you know this is kind of your testimony, your story. Um before we get to maybe like the family end of it all, um just kind of walk us through um the highs and the lows. Of, of just pioneering a Calvary Chapel, planting a church. Um, there were good times. There have been bad times, all in between. Um, you've never left. You've been faithful to one church the whole time. Um, pastoring Boy, a Calvary Chapel in the South, talk a little bit about that.
3: Well, it was hard. I mean, it was tough. And we misunderstood. Um. A lot of, um, you know, at the time, church was just still real, it was still a real traditional model for church, you know, almost anywhere you went. Right. Uh, the idea of contemporary worship was non-existent.
0: And, and contemporary attire.
3: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we kind of flaunted it, you know. I, I had one shirt that had a collar on it, and uh, it was black and had pink flamingos on it. So. <laughs> Every Sunday morning, I wore my flip flops and my blue jeans, and and wore my shirt with the pink pink flamingos, and I was dressing up. Right, <laughs> had a beard and long hair. And that was your Sunday attire. That was my Sunday attire. And so, but we didn't care. We really didn't care. We we wanted to just praise Jesus, and we didn't want to be, we didn't want to be churchy. Right. We wanted to. We wanted to be real, and we wanted to be authentic and yeah. sincere, and. That's all we knew to do. And so uh, a lot of good things happened. A lot of wonderful, reached a lot of people. Uh, people come through the doors. Uh, and, and, and basically people came back because they were hungry for God's word. There was really no other reason.
0: So you went from a duplex to this upper room. Mm-hmm. Then you went from the upper room to a dilapidated building yeah. off of 2nd Street.
3: Old, old beat-up warehouse. It That's, was a Southern Bell Central office is what it was. And was it really? Yeah. And we, we re- kind of renovated it. Didn't do a good job of renovating <laughs> it, but kind of turned it into a church for us. And but lots of miracles happened in that. In That's that the church building. I grew up in. Yeah. I lots mean, that, of miracles happened in that building and really pretty amazing. Um, and, and so the church was growing on Sundays, uh, but there was a Wednesday night that was really, you talk about turning points. It was a Wednesday night that was a turning point. I'll never forget it. I'm never far from this night, believe me. It's been 30 years now, but I'm never far from this night in my heart. Yeah. Um, walked in that night and literally nobody was there. Seven o'clock, time to start, nobody was there. Kathy was there. James was there. Donna, James's wife, was in the nursery. With me. With you and Brian. Yeah. We were there. Y'all were there. You were there, Zach.
0: Yeah, I attended.
3: And so you were in the nursery. And, uh, and so we're, it's just the three of us. And it's, it's uh, 7 o'clock. And we're getting ready to start the Bible study. And you've
0: been doing this for five years five at this years, point. Yeah.
3: Five years. I'm looking at Kathy. She's looking at me. I'm looking at James. He's looking at me. And finally I just said, look you know let, let's just let's just knock it off let's who are we fooling let's just knock it off let's just go home you know uh, call it call it quit have, have an early dinner let's just go home
0: it's a low point
3: and i don't know which one it was but one of them said you know i've been looking forward to hearing a bible study all week this week and i'd really like to hear the bible study and uh the other one said yeah i i, I feel the same way and
0: James and Mom made to teach that Bible study. So
3: James, James is sitting on the left, and Mom is sitting on the right. And there's there's hundred chairs in the room, hundred twenty chairs in the room, and they're sitting in the, in, the, in, the, in metal chairs, you know, in front <laughs> of me in the pul- at the, my pulpit, right, my little podium, um, me teaching a Bible study, and the, the just the two of them there, and and I didn't think it could get any worse. It was it was oh it was horrible. You talk about. Beating up somebody's ego. I mean, it was destroying <laughs> me. I didn't think it could get any worse until about halfway through. In walks a brand new family and never been there before. Oh. In walks the brand new family, like six kids and mom and dad, and and they sit down and and I'm so embarrassed still you know, about the whole deal. Like, and when the thing's over the lady comes up to me and she says, "Oh," she says, "This is so wonderful that that we were able to come on the first night that you guys are starting." <laughs> I said, "Lady, we've been going for 5 years." Oh. And um but you know I'll tell you, uh that was a turning point because it seems like it was at that point that God really began to bless our church in in a numerical way. And uh, new people started coming church started growing uh, things really really began to change The members of the, the church we were
0: thinking we got to show up now well, because we're gonna kill the guy
3: perhaps <laughs> but uh, I think God God had mercy on us and it may, maybe maybe it was a test yeah maybe it was a test maybe it was God seeing if we were going to be faithful even in the difficult times
0: like why are you doing this you know? Are you doing this because I called you?
3: And like I told you, I'm never far from that night.
0: Yeah. Let me go back to, uh, you mentioned something. Um, it's a story that I just recently heard from you that I had never heard before. And I guess you've um, actually put it down on ink in the Calvary magazine. I saw yeah, it's that there Calvary was... Chapel magazine. ...just came out in December. I'd never heard this story. But you'd mentioned earlier um, just... That first study that Pastor Chuck, there was a kind of a tease that he was going to be teaching on the gift of tongues, yeah, and that caught your eye, Southern Baptist. I have no idea what this stuff is. We don't touch, we don't talk about it. Right, you know, we leave that over there. And you heard Pastor Chuck teach on it biblically, et cetera. Um, at the same time, you're still Southern Baptist, Sandy Adams, trying to figure what all this out. And and you ended up having a very unique um, experience with Lonnie Frisbee. Um, you want to tell that story
3: a little bit? You want me to?
0: I'd love, I'd love for you to. I think this is a great story. Well, explain who Lonnie is to just, sure. just for the audience' sake.
3: Sure. Well, if you watched the Jesus Revolution movie, you, you'd know. You, you, you know who Lonnie Frisbee is. Lonnie was the young, uh, the the first hippie pastor Chuck. Uh, you know, really met and got involved in the ministry. Yeah. And, And Lonnie reached out to a lot of the young people in Southern California, a lot of the hippies that began to come to Calvary Chapel. He was kind of the catalyst for that. He would preach on uh, some of the evening services. He was a
0: charismatic kind of guy. Oh, very
3: much so. Very gifted guy, too. I mean, there was an anointing on his life. and He would pray for people, and they would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, and spiritual gifts would follow. And uh, he was very God used him in in very powerful ways, and there's no no, no doubting that, no question about right. that. And so uh, when I got to Southern California in uh, the spring of 1980, you know I I had uh, I was I was interested in, in these things, and I had um, back back going back a f- couple years, you know, right after I gave my life to Christ, I. Was, uh, had a burden for the, for the young people around us. And, and at the time, we had kids hanging out on the street, and it was a different, different day, but we had kids hanging out on the street, and we'd stop and witness to them and that kind of thing. And, um, and I'll never forget one night I was driving home, and the Lord just put on my heart I needed to stop. I needed to share my faith with these kids that were hanging on the street. And I chickened out. I just chickened out. And I went home. And I laid down on the living room floor and I said, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I need your power. Hmm. I need your power. I need your boldness. And the Holy Spirit came on me in a powerful way. I started speaking in tongues. And I'm a, I'm a young, I'm a Baptist kid. I, I don't know what I'm doing. And I start speaking in tongues and it just, just happened. And I'm thinking, scare me to death. And so I shut it down. Oh boy I had I had a new boldness so I got back in my car went back down there and they weren't there but the next night they were there and I stopped and shared my faith with them and maybe 10 of the 12 uh, gave their life to Christ and it was a glorious moment you know and uh... but I, I I had this feeling of the Holy Spirit but I had shut down this gift I knew I had so when I got to California I, I, one night uh, during during one of the pastor's conferences I looked up Lonnie Frisbee. And I said, you're the guy that prays for people and they, uh, they speak in tongues, aren't you? He said, well, sometimes. <laughs> and I, I said, well, I said, I, I, know, I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray that, that God will fill me with the Holy Spirit and, and I can speak in tongues. He says, that's wonderful. He said, take off your shoes. Just like that. I mean, I've I just, just met this man. He says, take off your shoes. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, I don't don't want to go for the hocus pocus, the, the, you know, Holy Spirit pranks. I don't don't care about all that stuff. I said, I want the real thing. I I want you to pray for me. He says, well, he says, God just told me that I'm not to pray for you unless you take off your shoes. (laughs) And so I'm sitting here arguing with him, you know. I said, I don't don't want to do this. And finally he says, look, you're the one asking me to pray for you. Do you want me to pray for you or not?
0: Take your shoes off Take or get, shoes get off lost. Take your yeah. or
3: leave. You know, and uh, I just kind of hung my head. I said, no, I, I got bristled up, you know. And he, he looks at me and he says, you know, buddy, he says, I, I tell you what your problem is. Your problem is pride. He told me the story of naming the leper who was too proud to go down and dip himself in the Jordan River. And his servant said, oh, if, if the prophet had told you to do something great, you would have done that. Why, why, were you, uh, why are you too proud? And he um, um, finally he, he yielded he dipped himself in the river and he came up and God healed him. And Lonnie looked at me and he says, you're, you're, like, you're that leper. Your problem is pride. Your problem is intellectual pride. If you can't figure it out, you won't believe it. That's been a profound lesson in my life. And I'm so thankful that man had the courage to, to say that to my face. Well, I stomped off. and You didn't receive it very oh, no, well. I didn't receive no. it at first. <laughs> and and as, a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, it wouldn't have been hard because I was only wearing flip-flops. Right, it, it wasn't like I had to take my shoes
0: construction off. boots on. Yeah.
3: So I walked upstairs and, and, um, and, and the Lord just convicted me, busted me, you know, saying he's right. And so uh, I found him. Going out the back door, and I took my shoes, took my shoes off, and I walked over to him. I started waving my shoes at him, and I said, uh, "You're right." I said, I'm, uh, "I have been proud, and I don't want to be proud anymore." Would you pray for me? And he, he started laughing, he gave me a big hug. He said, "Man, that's that's so beautiful. That's wonderful." I said, "Well, I said I don't want you to tell me it's beautiful. I want you to pray for me." <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he looks at me and he says. Uh, no, he said, God won't let me pray for you. I'm done. My, my role in your life is over. And he walked off. And, uh, and you know, I, I, was, I was so frustrated. But at the same time, too, it was like a million pounds had been lifted from my shoulders. And like the next, that ne- that next weekend, a group of us went down to uh, the ocean, went down to Pirate's Cove. And we went and got baptized in the, in the, at Pirate's Cove. And as I was, after I'd gotten baptized, as I was walking across the rocks, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came upon me I started speaking in tongues and it's been a wonderful blessing in my life ever since. And, um, it's pretty cool.
0: Lesson, you didn't need to go to a man to get the, to get the gift. No, you just have to come no, to the spirit.
3: No, but I needed that man to tell, to put me yeah. in my place. Yeah. I needed that man to tell me, tell me the truth and to tell me that, that, um, that I, I was too proud. And and we can do that. We can we can yeah. so many so many times uh if we can't figure it out, we don't believe it. And that can be a real obstacle to our to our to a real faith. You know, real faith is can I trust him when I can't trace him? Right. Can I follow him even into dark places? And uh and that lesson has helped me tremendously through the years to follow God on His Word. You know Joseph when Joseph was told to take Mary, he said, "You know," he said, uh, "Be it unto me according," or Mary said, "Be it unto me according to your word." Yeah. Can can we can we trust in God's word?
0: So you've been in ministry now for you said forty three years. Yeah. Now I I know you well enough to know that um one of the awkward things about talking about the past is you don't really live there that you're real focused on today. And in the future, you know, people talk about, you know, pastors, transition plans and, you know, handing over the ministry and this, that, and the other, it's, you got a whole lot of life ahead of you. So what are you looking forward to? What, what, what is the next, you know, I mean, what, we're 20 years away from robotic organs. So what is the next 43 years? <laughs> of ministry look like what are you anticipating god doing? what are you looking for what are you excited about what do you see with our culture
3: well you know for one thing i have never enjoyed sunday mornings more at calvary chapel stone mountain than i'm doing right now i, I really enjoy being there i enjoy the people i enjoy teaching god's word uh i feel like after 43 years um you know i kind of I, I don't have it mastered obviously but but i've got uh, I love what I do. I'm comfortable in doing what I do, and, and I still get nervous, but but I'm comfortable, and I, yeah, and God's using me, and I'm excited about that. I'm really excited about that. I'm excited about the church He's building, the local church He's building. Over the last number of years, I've had some tremendous opportunities to go all over the world and, and share uh, share the Bible teaching. Uh, but nothing thrills me more than uh, Sunday mornings at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain. Amen. I'm very excited. Uh, God we, called
0: you. God called you to be a pastor of absolutely. a local church,
3: and our church is growing, and uh, with new people coming, and we want to. Uh, we've got a couple building projects that, that we've got that we to get started, and uh, we've got a. We really love to uh, start a uh, a Bible college, a Bible training school. Uh, it was instrumental in my life, yeah, years ago, and I'd like to. I'd like to provide the same opportunity for people here in this, this neck of the woods. And so we're working really hard to uh, get ourselves in a position to be able to uh, uh, launch a uh, residential Bible school for, for young people.
0: And teaching for 43 years, how many times have you gone verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the whole Bible?
3: Oh, boy. Uh, probably... Uh, Probably six or seven times through the New Testament,
2: and uh, three or four times through the Old Testament. How many of those times were uh, the Song of Solomon? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't skip it. That's right. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. As a matter of fact,
3: I'm gonna. Um, uh, I love talking about the Song of Solomon. I love. Um, because it, it t- of course, it touches on, on an a- aspect of life that uh, for the
0: audience' sake, Justin brings this up because I'm presently going through the Song of Solomon.
2: Yeah. Check <laughs> us out at uh was Calvary316.org or TV.
0: com. All of them. The
2: Bible .com. touches on every area of life, and and
3: aren't we glad that God gave us gave us insight into uh, all areas of our lives?
0: The word never gets old, though. You've taught through the New Testament six times, at least three times through the Old Testament. Every time you go back through it, though, it's...
3: This week I taught two chapters. I taught through the, the seven letters to the seven churches. I taught through Revelation chapter 2 and 3. It was so exciting. I learned new things. I shared new things. It was, it was, uh, it was wonderful. I
0: saw an ad for that on Facebook. Um, you're still using the logo I made for you.
3: Probably so. Yes. With the, the lion. the with lion. lion the I saw
0: that. I was like, well, he's gotten some life out of that logo. The king of the jungle. King of the jungle, yes.
3: It's a jungle out there. but Jesus is the king.
0: So, you um, give a, a little bit of a shameless plug. Your entire teaching archive is at sandyadams.org. That's right. Um, which is a great place. Video, audio, full Bible. Um, we've plugged on the show the, your book, Chapter by Chapter, um, which is a, a one page summary. Very quickly, can you tell how that, how that came about?
3: <laughs> well, you know, we wanted to uh, sample, we wanted to to s- sample verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter teaching for the Atlanta area. We wanted to expose the Atlanta area through radio. through radio, through, through, Well, we wanted to expose the teaching, yeah. the verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter teaching. That style. That style of teaching. And so we went down to the local radio station at the time, and, and I said, uh, how much does a 30-minute program cost? <laughs> Atlanta's a pretty big market, you know. And they told me. I said, well, how much does a 15-minute program cost? And she told me. I said, how much does a five-minute program cost? (laughs) And she told me. I said, how much can I buy two minutes for? And so I ended up buying two minutes. Sweet spot, two minutes. I'm going to be in the morning drive time, I'm going to be in the evening drive time. I was so embarrassed when I got home, Kathy said, do we get the program? Do we get the program? I said, oh, yeah, honey. I said, we're going to be on twice a day. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have the heart to tell her just two minutes. And so I'm thinking, this is crazy. I said, you know, I bought two minutes. How am I going to model chapter by chapter, verse by verse teaching through the, through the Bible in two minutes? And so I just thought about it, prayed about it for a little bit, and the Lord gave me the idea of why not summarize a succeeding chapter through the New Testament and then encourage people to read that, a chapter of their Bible every day and, and just provide the summary to kind of whet their appetite and, get them into the, into the Word. And so we started doing that, and it was well-received, and now that little program is being played all over the world.
0: There's another uh, something that people don't, don't actually know a lot about, um, but y- you've, you've written a book that sold over a million copies. Yeah, yeah. Called Welcome to the Family of God that nobody really knows about, but it's been translated into dozens of languages. Yes. And uh, can you just very quickly share how that came about?
3: <laughs> well, it was, uh, um, it was a uh, study through the book of Ephesians, and I, I kind of did it for a new believer, was the idea behind it, and so I, I wrote it, and one um, year Pastor Chuck was out here, and uh, I was t- telling Pastor Chuck what I'd done. I wrote this little book, and I, and I gave it to him, gave him the manuscript. <laughs> and I said, uh, Chuck, if you can use this in any way, feel free to use it. Well, little did I know, you know, about uh, two, three weeks later, I get a letter from Chuck saying, Sandy, I read the book. I, I love it. We're going to use it. We're going to give it to new believers. And, uh, and uh, a few weeks later, I got a big box of uh, these books, Welcome to the Family of God. <laughs> Last free books I bought. If I wanted any more, I had to go and buy You had to buy your own book. I had to buy my own book. But um, but I'll never forget when, <laughs> that, when that box of books came, I'm thinking, it's going to be so so cool. I'm, I'm just going to have my name right on the cover, and then all my friends are going to see Welcome to the Family of God by Sandy Adams. I've made it. I cra- yeah, I made it, yeah. I cracked open the box of books, and I pulled out the little pamphlet, and um, nowhere. <laughs> Nowhere on the front. I flip it over. Nowhere on the back. I said, Well, surely it's on the title page. And I opened up my name was not on that book anywhere. <laughs> and my wife was so mad. Kathy was so upset. She said, That's not right. That's just not right. And I said, Honey, I said, We God's teaching us a lesson here. God's God's in control.
0: You did give and it to Pastor Chuck. Said, You use it however I gave you it want it to, to. Pastor
3: Chuck, I said, use it however you want and he did. <laughs> And, um,
0: you did get your name on it eventually.
3: Well, years, a couple years later, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of rewrote it and uh, added some things to it and kind of filled it in, and, and they put my name on it. So, But it's, uh, it's been amazing. It's been used all around the world, and uh, my understanding is over a million copies. Yeah, it's amazing. So. Uh,
0: Creighton, do we have any, um, any questions or anything online on either of the two streams?
3: And if you want the Welcome to the Family of God call, I'll reach you up to Stone Mountain. We'll send you a copy.
0: 770-736-2828. That'll
2: get you there. Did That'll you know you. that you're the second most famous uh, Adams author? <laughs> <laughs> That's Who's yes. the first, Justin? Uh, that'd be this lovely lady named Jessica <laughs> who wrote a, a book that you can find on Amazon called An- An Amazon Christmas. An Amazon
0: Christmas. Always love Justin. I did not black. put him Always up to that at <laughs> all. That was all Justin. Justin
1: Always love Justin with the plugs. Yes. So uh a- anything online, Creighton? Um, so we have a hello from Miss Anne. I going to say hi to Miss Anne. Yes, Miss,
0: Anne. Hi, Miss Anne. Hello, Ann. Hello Ann. My
1: trachey. <laughs> that's so weird. You know that's that, that's
0: what we call each other our trachees. I didn't know that. Yeah, she came up with that actually.
2: So instead of doing this, Anne she and like Dav- that. Anne
3: and Daryl ah. Dave- Anne and Daryl David are wonderful people and uh, yes, dear friends and uh, been been members of our church for for many many years. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the reason they're at our church is because you played little league baseball with Anne's. Nephew. Is that the
0: connection, Justin?
3: That, that is the connection, Justin McKenzie. McKenzie,
0: is, yeah. I, I didn't and know. And th- is
3: Justin McKenzie's aunt? Aunt. I knew that. And her mom, her sister Mary, started coming to our church. And that's how Matt. That's how Matt came. That's how Kent and Cecile came. That's how the whole Nelson family came to our church. Because, because of were, I was I was playing baseball. Because you played little league baseball with Justin.
0: How about that? I did not know that. That's I why. knew that, but I did not remember that. That's, that's right. that is a fun. Uh, a fun fact. Uh, so other than Miss Ann, anybody?
1: Uh, Cecil says, hello. Okay. Um, we have a comment from a, and I'm going to butcher this name. I think it's Yahusha. And it says, um, thanks for the book, Zach. If you guys are ever in Houston, Friendswood area, we would love for you to stop by Calvary Houston or Houston. I'm not sure. It's which one Houston. It Houston. Houston. At least that's where I mailed a book to. <laughs> okay. Like Texas? Houston, Texas. Yeah. Okay. Um, Heather says that she didn't get saved until 2018 after attending three services a week since birth and that she's so thankful for the Lord's mercy during those years. She believed that she was saved. Wow. Maybe,
0: maybe wrapping up your, your, your testimony here with an application. Um, for that person that has been going to church their whole life as a Southern Christian, as you can get traditionally, yeah, you know, they've been going to the same church. they Mom and dad go to that. the grandparents went to that. Their great grandparents went to and 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 there there's this stirring that you know something is missing. What would you what would you because that was you to an extent. Um, what would you say? What would you again? You you made the comment that you came back to the south because you know the language, um, you know you know the culture, you know the people. Um, we close with a bit of an exhortation to to that person.
3: Jesus doesn't save who he cannot rule. He wants to take control of our lives. And yet we inherently resist that. It's called sin. It's rebellion. It's in our hearts. It's it's how we were born. And and until we make a decision to lay our lives down and surrender our will and, and really allow him to take over our lives... And of course, when we first make that decision, we don't know what all that's going to mean. Uh, but he's gentle, he's faithful, and he, and he loves us, he's merciful. And he reveals that, and it grows as, as we grow in him. We learn more and more what that, what that means. But there's an initial surrender that comes, and it's a sweet, sweet surrender. And when, and when you humble yourself and, and you repent, you turn from that, that rebellion, you, you, you say, hey, I don't know all there is to know. I, I'm not the the one who needs to be running my life. Jesus can do a better job at it than I can, and I want to surrender my life to Him. When we make that decision, the lights come on. Amen. Things change. Amen. And and His Spirit is invited into our hearts, and He begins to change us from the inside out. And and it's not it's not a you you can it's not something you you. Inherit. It's not something you, uh, doesn't come from going to church. You, know, you, you can, can't you, earn it. You can't earn it. You can go to church your whole life and, and never come to that place. And there's a lot of people who, who go to church. And, and you know, uh, it's all about what Jesus can do for them. Well, he can save me. He can forgive me. Right. He can do this and do that. And he can. But, but it begins, the reality of it begins when we surrender our hearts to him. And we, we recognize that it's not just about what he can do for us, that, that uh, he wants to take our lives and he wants to live his life through us. And when we accept that and receive that, then the lights come on.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, let me give you guys just quick opportunity. Justin, do you have any, any, any questions, anything?
2: No, I've, I've asked all my questions. Creighton, you got anything?
1: Uh, I have no questions. That was very good. Very captivating. I have a couple of more comments that I want to get through, though. Okay. There's a few more comments. Um, Heather also said that she first heard Pastor Sandy through the, on the Through the Word app. Yeah. Um, I'm not particularly, but cool app to check out, I guess. Yes. Um, we also, Kenny Snipes says hello from Honduras and that yes. he really enjoyed listening to your story that and nice your, your story in its entirety. I know
3: Ken Snipes. Our yes. supports Ken Snipes. He's a, a missionary serving the Lord in Honduras. He's, yes.
1: he's a frequent guest on the show. Wonderful. Every time he comes up. Every time he comes up. And Our, then uh, my Kathy, yes. not your Kathy, my Rico, says that Pastor Sandy is the best. And I agree with her. So and she was nice. also watching. Thank
2: you. Thank who, you, Rico. Who do you like better?
1: My Kathy. Sa- no Zach, offense, guys. Or,
2: Zach or Sandy. Oh, as a Bible
1: <laughs> teacher? All right. Well, let's Ooh, that's a really <laughs> good <of> question. <laughs> Go
0: ahead and tap out of here, Craig. You ready? Let me just say. Let me just,
3: let me just say. Let me just say. Um, you know, I've you, you talked about transition earlier. Yes. I've already transitioned one church. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> true. I transitioned uh, a church called Calvary Three Sixteen uh, to my son Zach Adams. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say. On the radio here how proud i am of zach and the good job he's doing pastoring 316 in creighton you've been a wonderful blessing and a right-hand man to zach all these years and uh and you guys you gentlemen thank you for your love and support for the church and uh i just we love you guys we love calvary 316 and we we uh behind you 100 percent and uh praying for you and keep up the good work well
0: we feel the same way about calvary chapel stone mountain i'm excited to to be there in a couple of weeks, which Good. will be, which will be fun. So, um, any, anything final that you would like to say? I, I, I'm saying that with a lot of danger cause there's so many stories that you could drop,
3: <laughs> but we could do it again.
0: We could do it again. Oh, yeah.
3: It would be fun. I, I would enjoy that. Uh, I've enjoyed, uh, reminiscing a little bit with you. And, um,
0: I think this was important. A lot of people have never heard this story and this type of a format. And I think, Again, praying through what, what we could do. There's so many different things we could talk about. Um, but I just I wanted to hear your story in kind of just a single presentation. And uh, there was a few things that I, I didn't actually know uh, that you brought up that w- that was wonderful. Sincerely, Dad, thank you uh, for being on the Atlaw Radio Show. Glad to be here. I know uh, Nick and Mac um, thought this day would never come and <laughs> made sure I knew about it. So uh, hopefully they'll enjoy it. Anyway, let's roll out of here, Creighton. Thank you again so much for watching the Outlaw Radio Show. Uh, we go live Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Um, if you are unable to watch, you can listen to our podcast. Uh, the audio of tonight will be uh, sent out on all of the uh, all the different platforms: Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasting. It uh, gets released on Thursday. If you're listening to the podcast but you never joined us live again Wednesday nights at 8 p.m., God bless. We'll see you guys next week.